the social life. It's the Darren Show. The Darren Show. Don't ask if he's single. You already know. Cause it's the Darren Show. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Darren Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Darren Show. I've got a very special guest this week. Um, he, uh, I, he, he reached out on Twitter. He uh, recently became a big, uh, big Brother fan. And um, I thought it would be very interesting to talk to this guy about, uh, about his life and his industry and uh, all sorts of things. So uh, I, I have today uh, the rapper Hoodie Allen. How you doing, Hoodie? I'm is, good. That, is, that, is that how I should refer to you as Hoodie? Yeah, sure. That, I, I think that works, that works perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Do do um do people call you like hood like is that what you go by? Yeah, I, I I would liken it to like um a nickname. Obviously, like so my name is Steven, but you know we're we're not quite there yet. Like maybe at the end of this <laughs> yeah. interview, uh, we, we've earned that first name basis. But no, most people call me Hoodie for sure. Yes, uh, very cool. So um, you have been uh in the music industry since like twenty ten ish. Um, yeah, well, I, I graduated college in 2010 and kind of, uh, transitioned to full-time doing music in basically like the end of 2011, start of 2012. That's when I could finally like support myself doing music. So yeah, for the last like six years or so, basically. Very cool. Um, so do you, uh, I, another thing I know about you is that you, uh, you're from New York, um, when uh, when you reached out on Twitter, actually, there were some friends of mine who live in New York that were like, uh, "Taryn, this guy, this guy's from Long Island. Like this, this is amazing." Yeah, yeah. Are, where where are you from? Uh, I'm in Boston, um, oh, okay. but we do we do live shows for the podcast in New York all the time. Um, so uh, we uh, we end up making friends with New Yorkers. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I grew up in Long Island. I, I live in New York City now, but um, I, you actually have caught me in Los Angeles because I'm, I'm here working on new music. There, there aren't as many uh, uh, like sort of musician producers and partners that I can work with in New York anymore. So I find myself coming out to L.A. regrettably a lot of times <laughs> to, to do work. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm on like that jet lagged early schedule at the moment. Yeah. Are you are you do you, do you prefer New York? Did you like, uh, are you a big New York person? Yeah. I mean, not in a snobby way. It's just like, I, I, I like being close to my family. They all still live there. And, um, you know, like all my old friends. So like, there's just something great about, about New York and it, it's cool to be able to travel for my job. So I, I get to kind of pick where I want to live when I'm not traveling. Yeah. Uh, are, are you, are you close to your family? Is that like a big part of your life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think I would, I would like, even when I come out, like I'm in LA now, it, it feels like so hard to, to talk to them by the time I'm like, Oh, I should call them. I'm like, Oh, it's 2am in, in New <laughs> yeah. York. I can't, I can't call to say goodnight. So yeah, I, I really, I like being on the same, the same time zone. It's, it, it makes things easier. Were you, uh, were you always like really into music growing up? Um, yeah, I started, started like, uh, downloading like free beats from like places like mp3.com and I don't know, just whatever I could find on the internet, like back when I was like 13 years old. Um, this was, this kind of predates YouTube being a thing, uh, even kind of predates MySpace maybe, or maybe it was kind of like when MySpace was going on. Um, and yeah, like I, I would, I wouldn't even like, I would make these songs and these raps and I wouldn't even tell anybody or show anybody like in my real life. But you know, there were different like places on the internet not YouTube wise that you could like 
put them up there and like share music with like these strangers basically. And yeah, I, I had been just kind of interested in music for since, since kind of like, I guess, middle school. Yeah. Um, how did you, did you like, so you recorded some stuff? Did you have like a microphone or anything? Did you just, yeah, I had had a classic like $15 radio shack microphone that got the job done. And I downloaded like a, like a, a version of some like recording program. I think it was called cool edit pro. Yeah. That sounds very familiar. I cool edit pro. And I just like, you know, put these really janky recordings together that I would be embarrassed if anybody heard nowadays, but I guess it's, <laughs> it's part of my, uh, catalog technically. So yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. It was, it was something that like I was really interested in and it's, it's still pretty crazy to think that I've been able to turn it into, um, like uh, a, a career. I mean, it's, it's really awesome. Did you ever have the idea that, that this might be something that's very important to you later or that you might turn it into a career where you're just kind of messing around? Um, you know, that's, it's hard to say. Sometimes it's, it's hard. Like, you know, once you've kind of got the thing that you wanted for a long time, it's sometimes hard to like reflect back on what your, your mindset was at that time. Um, I know that the school was always really important thing to me and to my family. So I I was never like, I'm not going to go to school. I'm going to drop out and do music. I, it was kind of like, I, I found a way to to do, to do the things that would like make my parents, uh, not disappointed in me while at the same time dedicating like all, all my like free time kind of hidden away, working on music and developing this thing to the, to the place where like, (laughs) hopefully I was good at it. And, um, and luckily, you know, after years and years of just kind of doing it on my own, I I found people who actually were interested in my stuff and it just kind of inspired me to grow it from there. Was there any pressure to to do the more standard route for a career from your parents or were they just, uh, you know, wanting you to succeed? Well, I, th- I think honestly, the timing of everything that happened for me is kind of uh, really interesting because um, the first song that I ever had that like kind of, I guess, went viral or, you know, I'm, I'm doing air quotes over here on the side around viral, <laughs> but, um, it was like the first time I got a million plays. Right. And this is back when like, there's no way for me to get a million plays from an audience. It just had to like happen organically somehow, um, was my senior year, uh, at the university of Pennsylvania. Like I was basically ready to graduate. Like I already had my job lined up, uh, for after I graduated. So the pressure scholastically was like completely off of me and it allowed me to really spend a lot more time focusing on making music. And, and there was a song that I made then called you're not a robot, which was like the first song people had ever really heard from me. And, um, it was like that, that that was my senior year. And kind of quickly after that, we, we, you know, I was making more songs and I was getting like record labels like saying hey we want to we want to take a meeting with you and fly you in and this is like as i'm graduating college so it didn't obviously transpire right at that moment but it kind of was really indicative that continuing a full-time job after school and doing music was definitely going to come to a, a crossroads at some point in the in the future yeah for sure that's uh it's it's funny people call me a robot um on the podcast so i don't think uh, you're a robot at all <laughs> well i i own it at this point you know uh oh it's part, know, it's I, part uh, of the brand it's like a, yeah yeah i'm just i'm just a, a boring robot it's it's totally cool yeah you gotta make the merch though yeah i do i actually i do have uh an rhap robot shirt uh that that a fan made for me so that was pretty cool See, there you go there you go opportunities yeah. 
Um, so yeah, you, you mentioned that this song just like blew up. Like how did that, were you, was it a process where you were just kind of like, you were working along and you were slowly getting more and more views or did it just kind of blow up overnight? Um, so there was a, I mean, there still is this website, it's called hype machine and hype machine really was one of the main reasons the song took off. It, it was kind of like, um, are you familiar with it at all? Uh, no, I, I'm not. So it, it's like a music website, but what it does, it's like an aggregator of blogs. So if like these different music blogs, you know, post a song, it kind of gets uploaded to the hype machine system and there's like a chart. So like things that are liked by the community from that system kind of go up and there could be like the top 10 songs of the week. And I just remember, you know, once we made this song, we like me and, and the producer I was working with, we spent a lot of time, uh, kind of focusing on okay, how can we get people to like take a chance on our music and just spending a lot of time like writing very specific emails and, and trying to be like, uh, curry favor with them, but at the same time, not be so needy about it. And I think, you know, the song was luckily like came around at the right time. And the email was something that a lot of people like weren't taking time to do like personal attention to these, to these blogs that, um, a lot of people ended up posting, uh, the song and, kind of luckily it was received well and it went to number one on this chart and that was like uh definitely an unexpected moment but from there it was like oh wow you know we kind of not have a cheat code but like maybe we've got like a little blueprint for like how we can like make these songs and release them and get more attention and new fans and so that kind of was one of the first like spiraling moments for for myself yeah was that like what did it feel like to to see those numbers go up was that it, did you sort of envision the rest of your life at that point like this is this is really working this could really happen um it i mean it was definitely like exciting right because it it's that sort of turning point where you're like well this is a hobby but you know I'm not really like making money off of it i clearly have to continue doing like you know pursuing a, a you know a more typical uh career and and then you know, it also gives you this glimmer of hope, like, well, maybe if you just dedicated all your time to this one pursuit, you'd see some sort of like exponential growth from it. So that was that was always the battle. And, and luckily, I, I kind of, uh, I put out like my first mixtape a few months after that, that the music was pretty similar to that first song. And it was received really well. And it kind of like started opening up the possibility of me playing shows and touring. So I did like a little East Coast tour. Um, and every single show sold out. And I like had decided after that tour, I was like, I'm not I'm not going back to my job, like I'm gonna like that this is the moment. So it was a, a bit of a leap of faith um, that ended up working out. But, you know, something had to give. What what was it like to start touring? Like, uh, what, what is it like to to go to that first show or go to the first tour and uh, experience going to sold out shows? Um, well, it's it's definitely true. Like whatever Malcolm Gladwell says, you know, like the ten thousand hours, like practice practice definitely does <laughs> make perfect. <laughs> I, if I if I look back now on what my performances were like, I'm sure I'd be a little bit embarrassed uh, at you know just like the amateur level of it, but. Um, in some ways it doesn't matter because, you know, the, the people who were there were, were there because they like clearly wanted to, they were really early on something that they really liked and they thought it was their secret. So there was just so much love in the building when, when you perform, you could, you could be terrible and people are still like, we love that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is it? 
is it weird that like did you have any prior stage experience was it weird to be in front of like be able to perform in front of people that were like really into your your stuff um that was i mean that was pretty close to the beginning of my my experience i mean i had done i had done some like uh plays like theater in like high school and um like talent show sort of stuff. But for the most part, like outside of a few select performances, like that was the first time people are like, you know, paying for a ticket to see me. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, uh, nerve wracking to say the least. Yeah. Um, was it, uh, like, how does it, how does it work to be touring as a, as a musician? Like, um, is it, is it glam? Was it as glamorous as you thought it was? Was it like, uh, just a lot of hard work? Like, what is the experience like? It's never as glamorous as you think it is. (laughs) I don't know why people even think it's glamorous. It's, it's not at all. If you just realize that like all people do is sit behind the stage on couches, uh, that are old, from the eighties, it, it's, there's, there's not, there's not much glamorous about like the backstage green room life. Um, but it, it is, you know, I, I still try to think to this day, uh, to, to be whatever the opposite of jaded is to be very, you know, like happy when I'm there and, 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 you know, appreciative of, of all, all the stuff that goes into like putting a show on. So for me, like even, even back then it was, it's not glamorous, but it's, it's still so exciting because it's like, wow, these are real humans. They're not just on the internet typing to you saying, Hey, we like the song. It's, it's people showing up in real life. So it, it was a, it was a, a really great experience. And I, I've always sort of from day one, like my whole idea and my mantra, uh, has, has been to have like a, a really close connection with fans, both like in terms of replying to them as well as like when I was playing those shows and still to this day, like I'm trying to meet every single person who comes. Um, that sort of thing is like really important to me. And I think it's kind of what I'm partially like known for doing. So it was like me meeting all those people as well as performing for them for the first time. That's, that's awesome. Um, when you, when like, this is now something that you're working on as a career, does that change how you approach writing music, performing music, does it, does it make it seem a little bit more of a chore, like less of a creative outlet or is it even better? Well, I mean, I remember, uh, kind of around those first shows a little bit afterwards. Um, I had like $10,000 saved up from, uh, from like my six months at that job. I I worked at Google. That was the job that I got out of, out of college. So I had moved from, from, uh, New York to California to work at the Google headquarters. And then I left that job. So that was a whole nother kind of story in my early career. Cause people were like, this is the kid who left Google to rap. Um, <laughs> so I had like $10,000 that I like saved up. That's basically the money that didn't go to San Francisco's insane rent. So, uh, I put it all into a, a music video on this next project. And it was kind of like, Hey, if, if this song and music video doesn't pop off, like we're going to have to reevaluate some things. Um, like I was basically counting on my investment in that, in that video and sort of that, that mixtape in general, generating enough shows like college shows and small headline shows for me to play that I could, you know, figure out what my next step was. So luckily that, that all worked out, you know, after the mixtape happened, I was playing, you know, the craziest little like basement frat shows for a thousand dollars and a slice of pizza and whatever it was. But but those were like, you know, the idealistic times of, you know, just showing up and hoping that things plug in and work. Um, So 
that was kind of the next stepping stone for me before, uh, you know, I had like a real breakout hit. So what was the, uh, the real breakout hit? When did that happen? Uh, that's, I mean, you know, there was a song that came out in 2012 called no interruption. I think that's probably one of the ones that I'm like most known for. Uh, it's like the, I guess it's the one that has the most plays on Spotify. So as a, as an indicator and you know, that kind of opened up my touring like that that album all american uh like opened up like it's like you know the only thing i can say oh i've got like a like a gold and like platinum single like it can't, it comes from that you know otherwise it's <laughs> it, i mean I, I have maybe one other one but like you know those those were like really kind of a moment for me so did that was that just the culmination of all the work that you were putting in or was that another just kind of instance of uh it just kind of happened to hit at the right time I don't know. I got lucky. I made a really good song. I, I still love it to this day. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just like one of the, it's just like one of those songs, you know, like I think every artist has it in their catalog. Like even you like look back and it's like the, like the song that like, Oh, all, all those, all those fans like want to hear it. Even, even four albums later, they're hoping that they hear that one at the show. That that's kind of, you know, like I definitely, uh, that's that one for me in my like set. Um, where like, everyone's like, you have to play that one, right? You have to play this one. So if it's like, I don't know, do you like, like panic at the disco, for example? <laughs> I, uh, I, they're all right. Yeah. I like them. I don't know why that band uh, comes to my mind, maybe because I like them, but it, it's like the equivalent of, of their like first single where it's like, I chimed in with the, yeah. like, <laughs> like, like every, like, like no matter how many more big songs they have, you'll never be able to say that that song isn't important to them. So mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like that. That's my example. I don't know what the basis for that that explanation is, but that's the example. Yeah. Well, is it because I, I feel like with some bands, um, they they come to resent that song. Like they're at a show and people are like, oh, play this one. And they're like, oh, God, come on, guys. Let, let, yeah. Listen to our new stuff. Do you feel that way at all? Um, no, I mean, not, not really, just because I, I still love playing it. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. like, it, it, like it really like I, I, I've always said, like, I'm. Anytime where I've made uh, a song where I feel like, oh man, this this sounds like a hit, whatever that means, right? Uh, I'm always very careful to be like, does this sound like something that I'm gonna love to play in five years? Because that, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of my time touring and I think that, you know, you really have to like love those type of songs because they can become so ubiquitous and so like, you know, in demand. So if you feel resentment towards these fans that are like, only there for that song it's yeah it's like a it's like a bitter feeling like I, I don't I don't think that's a good a good way to feel so I'm I'm lucky that that song is is something that I that I really like and I can kind of say that for all of the you know like songs that kind of took a life of their own like I, I really enjoy them and enjoy playing them so um yeah that's great I'm lucky in that way do you ever uh do you ever feel pressure to uh, like, like replicate the success of that song, um, by, by either the fans or yourself? Uh, I definitely have felt that way in the past, you know, after it, it first came out, you know, you, when you think about the next album, you're like, Oh, how do, how do I, how do I make another one like that? And the truth is like, sometimes that sort of track is like its own little, you know, magic in a bottle. Like you can't really remake it. You can, you can have other successes. You can have other things that are bigger than that. But like to find that exact potion in the same way, it's it, it's kind of a uh, a futile, 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 
useless. I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a useless effort because it's, it's really going to give more frustration than anything else. Um, and if you made it anyway, people would just be like, this sounds like a worse version of that song. So, yeah. so it's kind of better off just like, uh, taking away those expectations. At least that's what, that's what I found, especially nowadays where, you know, the way people even listen to music is so much different than in five years ago, you know, mm-hmm. with, you know, I, I don't really even know that many people who would who would buy an album anymore. And that's just because they're signed up for one of the streaming services, whether it's Apple Music or Spotify. And their whole notion of of buying an album is sort of just like adding it to their library right on there. So, yeah. And, and, and it's not like it's not even a bad thing. They think they're and they are supporting. But just by doing that, it's just a different kind of way of of consuming music now. Yeah, it is. It is weird. Um, and I've always uh do, do you do you find that people listen to albums like whole albums more often now or less often than cuz i know when i got when i was getting into music when i was in you know middle school or whatever um everybody i knew was just like they all listened just to singles all the time and i was like the weird kid that uh would only listen to whole albums all the way through um i don't know if that's that's gotten uh more common now or uh or if it's still all about saying i'm very out of touch with pop music culture <laughs> <laughs> well i i mean i'd actually say that back in the day people uh consumed full albums way more than singles and that's because if you went to you know sam goody or something and 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 you know, oh, I really like that one song from someone. You had to buy their album for twelve dollars, mm-hmm. and once you bought their album for twelve dollars, you're going to listen to the whole thing from front to back on your on your CD player and your Walkman. And you know, even if you end up not liking it, which a lot of the times, you know, you'd be like, oh shit, what's the rest of this album? <laughs> <laughs> what is this garbage? So you know, you you get there, you're like, oh man, this is this is a disappointment. Uh, you still bought the whole thing, so I feel like you're kind of you feel indebted to get your value out of it. Whereas nowadays, you know, oh, I like that one song from somebody. It doesn't really compel you to have to listen to any of the other ones. I think the cool thing is that it's so easy uh, to listen to something from another artist. Like even if you're just cherry picking the singles that you like and then saving them to your playlist or whatever, um, since everything is technically free, uh, once you, you know, you're, have a subscription or an account somewhere. Um, I think people do hear a lot more, uh, like they discover a lot more. So there's the potential for you to like really get into an, uh, a new artist's work, but you know, we also are kind of an ADD generation because of playlists. So it goes, it really goes both ways. Yeah. Do you find yourself trying to write like singles more than just whole albums because the you know getting a really good sing- single is more likely to get people to discover you or um or is there you know some kind of balance that you try to make no i mean that's that's a very good observation i actually think that that's exactly kind of where we're at where um an in, like an impactful single can bring along the same type of new fans that a good album you know used to do i i, I think we are super single driven in, in, in that sort of way. Um, I, I kind of think of it both ways to be honest, because I think find you know, having new people, you, you always want more people to like discover you. There's an infinite amount of, well, you know, there's just like, it feels like an infinite amount of people who can learn about you, who don't know about you yet. And, and yet at the same time, you know, we all operate kind of artist wise, like within our niche, you know, like, so if I've got, Oh, I know these, million people who are like definitely going to check out the album when it comes out. Um, 
I still want to make the project for them. I think it's important to, to always, you know, have them in mind, especially when you consider the fact that like, those are the people who show up when you go on tour. So there's, there's still that balance. Like I, I want to make an album for all those hardcore fans who already exist, but I hope that that album is, you know, has singles on it that are going to get further than just like the small sort of circle that you have. How much, how much do you have to pay attention to like trends in music, uh, like, like sounds that are, that are popular or that, um, just like I, cause a lot of popular music tends to like follow these trends. Um, do you ever try to incorporate that into your own music or do you try to, you know, ignore that stuff and just try to focus on your own, uh, work? Uh, I think it's, I think it can be dangerous to chase trends because, you know, it, it, well, it's better, it's better to be the the trendsetter than, than to be the trend follower. Um, Mm -hmm. it's certainly, you know, uh, multiple people are going to have success off of, off of, you know, a certain sound. It's not going to just be, Oh, one person championing this, but I've kind of felt for myself. Um, I've been better off staying true to like, uh, the things that I like and the things that I would want to hear. And, you know, there's, there are certain things, especially with with trends, where uh, it it makes sense that a new sound gets popular, and we're definitely feeling that right now in in rap music because there's been a, you know there's a lot like some of the most popular artists who are coming out right now are eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old, and like their whole perception of of even what they want to do and what they want to hear is is so different than like the stuff that was being made five, ten years ago. Um, it almost feels like some, some of that stuff is like a, a, a young person's game. And like, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm 29 now and I feel like, you know, it might feel weird to be like emulating some of these, some of the current trends because <laughs> it, it would just, it would just feel really false. It's, it's not coming from any like place of authenticity. So I can like enjoy it as a, as a music fan and be like, wow, that's different. Like, that's really cool. But at the end of the day, like still know what I do best and try to make good stuff there. Um, and there's really like, the good thing is there's room for everybody. Like there's so many types of music fans and there's not just, it's just not a monolith, you know, there's just so many like subgenres that truly Mm -hmm. exist nowadays. Yeah. I, I feel like, I, I feel like rap music in particular tends to evolve very quickly. Um, like more so than than most genres um just like just from from where it was 10 years ago where it was 20 years ago it's just so vastly different yeah um, absolutely is do, do you have you tried to evolve your own sound as as time has gone on i think yeah i think the best way to evolve your sound honestly is to just always try to work with new people and and um be like an active listener of what's going on but you know like in in the in the genre overall but but it's kind of collaboration i think fosters a lot of new innovation so i i don't you know if you ask a fan like a fan they're gonna be like oh this album is way different than this other album to me it all feels like you know oh this is my voice but i can i can definitely see times where like oh i've been really into this sort of minimal type beat versus oh this is this is very poppy and this is like this you know they're, they're definitely um you know like endless amount of sounds you can play with that could definitely influence you know what your music sounds like yeah i was uh i was really lincoln park was like the first band i like really really got into and uh i eventually fell off do you do you know much of uh of lincoln park yeah i mean i i think i know a, a decent amount i think they you know fans of lincoln park would say oh this album this is my favorite and 
you know, like there'd be a band that like some people might say, I don't like their new stuff, but I like their yeah, old exactly. stuff. And, you know, the funny thing is like, if, if, you know, say like your favorite album is like hybrid theory from them or something like that, you know, like you might not want, like, you know, your, your 18 year old self who heard that album probably wouldn't even appreciate it if they came out with that same album, you know, 10 years later, because your, yeah. ta your tastes are probably going to have evolved and changed anyway. You're always going to feel like when you hear those songs that remind you of like, oh man, I remember playing this in my car when I was this age. Like they're always going to be special to you. You're always going to like them and have an affinity for them. But sometimes, you know, your own, you know, music tastes change where they're, they're better off also continuing to like innovate and, and discover new things. Cause who knows what, what, you know, might match up next. Yeah, I feel like uh, like they're the band, at least that I can see most, that like they really got a lot of flack for evolving their sound. And they they said things very, or Mike in particular said things very similar to what you were saying, where it's just like, um, yeah, you know, we, we evolved our own sound and we, we just like we went down paths that we wanted to explore. And um, uh, I just think it's it's very interesting the the reaction to that. Uh, of And, and Linkin Park in particular, like uh, th that got me into both hardcore music and you know rap to some extent because they had some of that in there and um uh i loved fort minor um oh yeah from mike yeah also that uh, lincoln park jay-z crossover thing that they oh, did yes. was amazing that was very very high school very important <laughs> yeah uh i feel like they're they, they're such an influential uh band at the time and i didn't really realize it but um but yeah, I uh, I I actually didn't know who Jay Z was. I was introduced to Jay Z through Linkin Park. That's amazing. Honestly, that's <laughs> think about like how cool that is. That you know, it, I'm I'm sure there are so many Jay Z fans that are also like I, I, I don't know what Linkin what is Linkin Park. Yeah, and and it, it goes both ways, and that's why that that project was kind of so genius because it sounded great and it it like kind of merged these two worlds that were insanely popular, but also like you know, they were both like you know, products of like MTV popularity, but at the same time, uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of people who are only following one and not both. Yeah. And I, I, you know, who knows if I ever would have gotten into any rap at all, if I, if, if not for Linkin Park, um, not, not that I'm like a huge aficionado, but, um, but it just, it really opened me, uh, musically. Uh, did you have like, what were your influences when you, when you were starting out? Um, I, I, I think I have a, pretty wide range. I mean, you know, uh, I liked a lot of like underground hip hop stuff to begin with, which was like, you know, uh, most deaf and Talib Kweli and there's a group called little brother and, uh, cunning linguist was a group that I really liked and, uh, atmosphere, you know, all, all this, all this, all this music that was coming out like hip hop wise. Um, but at the same time, I was also like the biggest fan of like blink 182 and yeah. and some 41 and no doubt and it, there was kind of like a crossing of like typical pop punk you know newfound glory like all, all the things that were very popular around when i was like 11 12 13 and kind of combined with me discovering like nas and bc boys and wu-tang and like all, all this like hip-hop that was coming out of new york even a lot of it that had already come out by the time i discovered it. and i was like oh going back into people's catalogs a little bit and, um, I think it sort of shows a little bit through my music that I like both those things, but, um, those are definitely early influences for me. Yeah. You know, I've, uh, listening to your music, I, I actually really like, really like it. Um, and I, I'm guessing Thanks, it's, man. 
<laughs> I'm guessing it's because of those influences, because uh, I was also like a big pop punk person. Um, and I, I, I liked the sort of, uh, you know, the hybrid that Linkin Park did. I, I'm, I'm a big Cunning Linguist fan and uh, I, I like Atmosphere as well. What? Um, That's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't like I thought I was dropping a, a gem there. I don't like there. That was like a, an I remember like I was in summer camp like sleepaway camp or something and we had like a uh uh i don't know not a field trip but whatever you call it we, we went out like to a place and, and there was a like a record store like maybe we we're at like cooperstown but we went to like a record store and i remember like oh i'm gonna search for like all these all these uh cds of like artists that oh there's no way they would have had this <laughs> and like i found this uh their cd southern underground and it was like the thing that i just bumped all summer it was my my favorite album and like now i i talked to their producer uh DJ no and I'm like that's it's, it's just wild like a lot of those moments have happened for me where it's like I grew up being uh, a fan of this person and then I've been able to like interact with them or meet them and or, or play a show with them even I played a show in Utah with Talib Kweli and like 15 year old version of me just can't really fathom even the idea of being a peer at any level with that person because yeah they're, they're so they're so important to you so it's music's wild man it's crazy. Yeah, I, I came to him a bit later. I I was um a piece of strange was my uh, Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I love that. Um but yeah, that's that's all like um did, were there any other uh like have you gotten to meet people that you never thought you would ever like meet? Um I mean I, f- I feel like that could literally apply to everyone because I didn't yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't think that um I didn't think that this would be my reality and I've tried to I think I've tried to make the most of it by by like just you know talking to all the fans and and being out there and touring and like whenever an opportunity comes you know to to take it in in full stride so like i i opened up on a tour for fallout boy and wiz khalifa two years ago and that was just like the craziest opportunity because it's like uh, again two artists who i'm you know, a huge fan of, and then get to like see them in the catering hall every single day and, and like play a show with them and, and play for their fans. So, yeah, I mean, there's been, there's, I think there's been a lot of, a lot of moments like that. Also a lot of like sports ones. Cause I'm, I'm also like low key, a, a very big New York Jets fan and Yankees fan. And, you know, uh, just getting to like, you know, even if I tweeted at someone and they like followed me back, <laughs> yeah. it was like, uh, those parts where I'm like, Oh man, that's so cool. So I still get excited. Yeah. Have you ever, have you gotten to like work with anyone that you, uh, that you like really enjoyed working with? Ah, man. I mean, uh, honestly, everybody, I, I I think, you know, I've, I've been, I've been lucky to, to have a lot of cool collaborations with, with people who I'm friends with. Um, you know, like I, I, I collaborated, uh, on a song with, with Chance the Rapper and then like, a year later he was like the the biggest up and coming artist on the planet not <laughs> not thanks to me but yeah. but just you know the timing was pretty crazy uh, i've gotten to work with ed sheeran who's been a buddy of mine for a while and like the fact that we have a song together is is pretty cool just because you know it, it came out like really organically that we we're just like, let's go in the studio and see what happens. And it became like, you know, one of my more popular songs, obviously, because Ed is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. So stuff like, I mean, stuff like that is, is, is really cool. And I always, I always am trying to look for who I think is going to, you know, um, be the next big artist. Cause I, 
you know, I, I, I love, like, there's a part of me that also loves discovering talent really early on and, and just, you know, tell it, like reaching out and being like, Hey, like, I love your stuff. And I think you're going to be huge. You know, uh, were you, uh, were you excited about Kendrick Lamar and, uh, the black Panther? Honestly, I, I have yet to see black Panther. I haven't been to the movies in so long. That's on my list. And I've heard like, you know, like half of the album, but I, I currently have like this, like cue that's like all these albums that I need to listen to. Uh, that soundtrack is one of them. And there's, I mean, there's a couple others, uh, albums that just even came out this week that I like just wrote down, like, oh, I need to listen to this. I need to listen to this. So, yeah. um, uh, it, it's kind of hard sometimes when you're in studio mode yourself, because I, I don't want to like subconsciously steal from anybody. Right. Yeah. It's like I hear something and it's good. And like, before I know it, I'm humming a melody in the studio that actually I'm like, this is familiar. Oh yeah. This is Drake. You're an idiot. You can't, <laughs> you can't do this. So, um, I, sometimes I have to sort of separate that and, and not even listen to as much music as, as I really want to. Yeah. Is that, is that hard to, to do, to, to keep those, uh, those things out? Uh, because, uh, especially I feel like, um, with, with like rap music, hip hop, there's a lot of like sampling that goes on and, uh, a lot of, yeah. you know, similar themes. Um, d is it hard to avoid that kind of thing from happening? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think you can definitely subconsciously take things that, that that's a sort of like, that's a, I think a, a feature of like the whole trends as well. Like people are like listening to Kendrick and then before you know it, you're like making a song that kind of sounds like a Kendrick song. So, um, it, yeah, the best that you can, it's kind of important to separate some of those worlds. Cause if you want to sort of have your own voice, I think you have to, you know, understand when you're influenced by someone and when you're imitating somebody, there's a definitely a distinct difference. Let me just interrupt to say that this episode of the Terran show is brought to you by hello fresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step -step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. They are all about convenience, so you can choose your delivery day uh, for when it works best for your schedule. It gets delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging. All the ingredients coming pre-measured and handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. So no more time-consuming meal planning or grocery shopping. You've got three plans to choose from classic, veggie, and family. Lots of one-pot recipes for seriously speedy cooking and minimal cleanup. So look forward to your HelloFresh delivery box as the highlight of your week, knowing dinner just got that much easier. One of the meals I tried recently was the chicken and pineapple quesadilla. Now... I love quesadillas. I've never tried pineapple in them, I must say. Uh, but it was actually very enjoyable. Pineapple, uh, one of my favorite fruits. Quesadillas, one of my favorite uh, dias. And I, uh, I really enjoyed it. So, I mean, as many of, of, of you know, uh, I, I'm not the most exciting eater. I do like plain Greek yogurt. Um, but HelloFresh... It's expanding my palate and uh, I've been enjoying it. So I, I really, I highly recommend this. Check it out. It's so much easier when you get all this stuff just delivered right to you, prepackaged and everything. And you can get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh by visiting HelloFresh.com and entering the promo code Taren30. That's HelloFresh.com with the promo code Taren30 for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. Check it out. And now back to the interview. 
What are some of the things that you uh, you write about with the with your lyrics? Um, because uh, it seems like you have a lot of uh, like pop culture references, and uh, you you really you know you you pack a lot in there, and there's a lot of like clever lines. Um, is that something that you had like just it's your style, or like where does that come from? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely my style. I I, I think I I like to try to like you know see the world through through that lens at times. I think, you know, it's kind of obvious even in the, the moniker I picked that, uh, that, you know, that it's like pop culture influenced and sort of like tongue in cheek. Um, you know, like as, as you, you know, go on some, you know, it becomes, you know, different things that happen in your life and different relationships and, and moments that then influence your writing. So I, I sort of, whenever I go into the studio, honestly, I, I try to, kind of wipe my brain clean and and like if you know a producer is like playing keys or or you know doing making a drum loop or something um whatever comes to me by accident will usually spark the idea and if nothing good kind of comes out as as word garble like you know maybe it's not the right idea um sometimes the songs just write themselves and and then you can kind of guide the path and fine tune it um for I, I know a lot of people definitely like are constantly writing down ideas and themes and being like, I need it to be about this. For me, I, I usually start with melody and, and usually just, you know, kind of let the process happen very freestylish. So do you, so you like just kind of let the, the words come uh, or, or do you try to be a little more methodical about like, um, like how does that process work? It's, it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of weird to explain if you, if you <laughs> haven't done yeah. it because, because it, it's, it's a little bit innate, like, okay, the music's playing and like react, you know, react to it in terms of what you would sing over it. And it's, it's kind of like using everything that you've learned by writing songs and doing things and listening to songs to see like, can you just like, do you just have it like within you to have these like melodies and flows and ideas? And yeah, like, obviously you're not going to just immediately say, Oh, all these clever words and these phrases and the perfect rhymes, but sometimes you do. And then sometimes you have that melody and you just keep doing it over and over again until you get the right words. And I think it's, it, it's sort of a process that informs itself in that way. Um, it's kind of why, you know, like freestyling is such a big part of hip hop because, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like, what's coming on your brain, like right at that second, you don't have time to think about it, like connect these thoughts ahead of time, you know? Yeah. Uh, how has your life changed since the, like the success? Do you, uh, have you, have you started to live a, like, maybe not during the, the tours, but have you started to live a more a glamorous life? Is that, uh, like part of the, the music, uh, lifestyle? Um, not really. That's, I mean, that's just not part of my, my personal style. I, I kind of, yeah. I kind of have this belief uh, with, I don't think it just applies to music. I, I think it applies to everything in general, but I think you, like you are who you are before you make it. So like if, if you're an asshole, like when you have, before you have success, you're just going to be a bigger asshole when, when you are successful. So, you know, I've, I've always thought like people don't really change when they get famous or they make it. I also don't really consider myself famous. I just consider myself someone who's like, luckily like has a career, but and it happens to be in music, but you know, I, I, I kind of live, I think relatively humbly. I, I don't really care about like jewelry or watches. I live in New York city, so I don't even own a car. You know, I like living in New York city is probably my, my biggest expense. Yeah. <laughs> besides that, I, 
I'm, I'm always, you know, kind of thinking towards the future. And I, I kind of understand that, you know, uh, especially being in entertainment, like your, your career is, is not determined. It's not the same as somebody working a job for 45 years and they're looking at their path and, Oh, when I get to age 50, it's going to be my biggest earning year. Like I, I kind of look at it like our, you know, artists are in their prime in their beginning almost like, and then Mm. a lot of people have to figure out what they do with their life afterwards. So I, I don't, I don't really believe in the extravagant, uh, nature of it just personally. Yeah. Uh, so like, what is your, your plan for the future? Do you just intend to keep on, uh, making music until you you can't anymore? Or like, what's the, uh, what's the goal? Um, I plan to be a a, a big brother celebrity all-star, uh, and take Julia Chen's job. That's what I'm going to (laughs) do. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I would love to be able to do, you know, do music and keep touring like I am until I kind of decide that, you know, I'd like to take a break from it. That, that'd be personally the goal. I've, I've always been interested in, in, in music and in writing. And I kind of feel like I, you know, I, I don't, who knows, I, I might be running my own record label in 10 years or my own, or create some sort of app that disrupts the whole, the way we interact in, in some form musically. I don't know. I'd love to be able to make a, a contribution that is greater than myself. Um, and hopefully I figure out what that is. Well, let me just say that I hate the Spotify app. And uh, if anyone wants to make a better one, uh, I'm totally down. Why, why do you hate the Spotify app? <laughs> okay, uh, lots of reasons. But one of them is mainly the playlists are just terrible. Um, like uh, I, I came from iTunes and I tried Spotify. And the way that I like to do it with iTunes is that they have smart playlists where it will automatically update based on like certain parameters. So I'd put like, uh, this is all my music from 2017 and like that goes into a playlist. And then as soon as I rate it, it goes off the playlist. So like I, I methodically go through my music, but with Spotify, there's like, there's no smart playlists and, uh, the, there's just like, there's, it's hard to, to navigate, uh, discover weekly and release radar. Have you seen those? That's like, I don't know. <laughs> so like discover weekly is supposed to be um, telling you about things that you would like based on things that you've right, already yeah. listened to. So like if you've listened to a Linkin Park song and they release something new, it should be in your discover weekly stuff like that. Um, I think there's definitely a lot of like uh, human curation in Spotify and that's what people, that's what a lot of people like. And, you know, obviously because it's a business, the, the record labels themselves have, they've, sort of, they take up a lot of real estate. So whatever they want to promote ends up being on a lot of playlists as well. So maybe that's something that you don't care for as much, you know, uh, kind of being influenced by the secret hand of the labels. (laughs) Yeah, well, I do. I like to, um, I was going to, one of the questions I was going to ask you is like how you stay on, on top of, uh, like new releases, because, um, I just, I try to look at, all of the music releases for that particular month that I can possibly find. And then like anything in the, anything that's a genre I, I like, uh, I, I see what people are saying about it. And if, as long as it's like decently, uh, people think it's all right, then I check it out. And then like, I just go through methodically all the way. It takes a long time. Though. Yeah. Um, my process, I, I feel like I just hear about things, whether it's like even off of Twitter or you just, you do stumble upon it like in a, in a playlist or, or something like that. And you're like, wow. So I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, like, I, I, I feel like 
I don't have time to discover more music than I am currently. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully I, 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 I don't find the time to do so because that means that I'm sitting on my ass too much. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that aptly describes my life. Um, <laughs> uh, cause I, I just, uh, I want to, I hate when I hear about something late and I'm like, Oh, I should have known about that. How, what if I hadn't heard about this? Um, it's I, never I too late. That. It's never too late to discover <laughs> something that, that, that's the cool thing. At least to me, I feel like, you know, what Spotify has, has, you know, done, like it, it makes some of these songs, really live forever and you can mm. and you can see them you know living forever like you know to take an example so uh my song no interruption it it's still in my top five on spotify I still see it get you know like a million plays every two weeks or wh whatever it is and it's like wow like how are how is that even possible right this is so old but it's because of the fact that spotify you know, there's been X amount of people who have saved it to their library and they visit it this frequently. If it's once a month or whatever, and it's that many people, you get that many plays extra. And I, I think for me, seeing, seeing some of that data, I'm a bit of like a, an analytical nerd myself. Um, it's like, there's so much, there's so much stuff to look at and to examine that it's like, it's like an overload of information. Yeah. 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 I, it's, uh, well, cause it's like, you know, I, I went, I went, I listened to a, a lot of your stuff and I'm listening to pep rally and I'm like, man, if I had known about this in 2010, I would have, I, I probably would have put this on one of my 2010 lists. It how, been great. I'm you, all about lists. How did you even find pep rally? So that, that's the project that I made when I, when I, uh, just graduated college, but I don't even know how you found that. Cause it's not even on Spotify. Well, yeah, see that I, I listened to it on YouTube. Um, ah, very cool. Yeah, <laughs> I that was annoyed because I, I will see I, I don't use Spotify because of the playlist situation. So I use Apple Music and uh, I looked for it on Apple Music and it wasn't there. So I had to listen on YouTube. Well, it's because I, I, I say like I sampled a lot of artists like that was sort of the idea to sample a lot of other artists. Um, but when I did that, I didn't have any money. So I just sampled them and hoped I didn't get sued. And, <laughs> and, and most of the artists that discovered it and their labels took pity on me. So to put it on Spotify would be to make money off of it. And mm. that's a little bit complicated. So at, at the time being, it's kind of a little bit secret. Like if you don't know about it, you don't know about it. But if you do, then you can be a super hipster about it. <laughs> I think that I think that's my, my problem is that I'm, a, I'm I'm definitely a super hipster about music. Um, yeah, you, I think you, I always have me, been. You telling me that you just discovered my music and it's and it's my mixtape from 2010 <laughs> is it makes you the biggest hipster of all time. So congrats, you, you fit in well. You should tell me that I that I've changed and I sold out because I definitely did. <laughs> well, see, I've I've also been listening to the hype, the your new album, and I I really like it actually. Oh, thank you so much. But yeah, that, that that's really funny that 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 you even um found both those things. Yeah, you, I mean that's where that's where all the that's where all the secret stuff is. Always on YouTube, you can find somebody who's uploaded something on YouTube. Yeah, well, see, that used to be the the process is um I'd like I'd I'd sample the music on YouTube. And then I'd go and like buy the album. Uh, but now that I, now that I've got Apple Music, I just listen, listen, and then click add when yeah, I when I like it. Of course, of course. Um. So, uh, t tell me, tell me more about the the hype. Uh, th was this fairly recently that it came out? Yeah, it came out at the end of September. Um, we we kind of live in a world though where uh you can't really just sit for too long. So I'm already making the next project. But um, but yeah, that was kind of a labor of love. Uh. Like I felt committed that I had to, I wanted to make this album and I had, I had to make an album, even though, you know, kind of like we've talked about today, um, a lot of things are, 
our kind of single based form now. But I was like, this this will be this will be the album. I'll I'll you know really pour my heart into it. And you know the idea kind of premise behind it is a little bit like me looking back at um, you know the last five years since I started doing you know music uh, as my job and kind of talking about like you know the hype you know like the hype of like oh wanting to have all the success and then you know what is it like when you actually get it when you like realize the dream yeah um is so is it was it like was the whole album sort of based around that concept uh, i'd like to think that there, there's an overall like thematic element to it that kind of is illustrated by like the first and last song and mm-hmm. those kind of pairing together. But every, you know, I think it's important that every individual st- song sort of stands on its own because that's how people, you know, people are going to pick their favorites and just listen to those songs. So, you know, I could tell you one by one, Oh, this song is, this means this for this reason, but uh, on a surface level, it might just sound like another song. Yeah. So, uh, tell me more about the, uh, the, the Google experience. Like what were you, uh, was that your career path before going into music? Was it, were you going to be like, what were you doing there? Software? No, I was, I was working in mark in like marketing uh, for AdWords, uh, for them. I, I went to university of Pennsylvania, uh, business school, uh, like undergraduate. And most of the people who were in my class and my classmates, my peers, uh, obviously ended up going into finance, you know, getting a job on wall street. That just really wasn't that compelling for me. I, I, I really didn't want to do that. Um, and I knew that I, I, you know, wanted to branch out in a different way. The Google opportunity kind of happened randomly. It was like one of those things, you know, for anyone who's in college, uh, listening, like, you know, they come on campus, like, you know, they're trying to recruit and, and, you know, do interviews and stuff like that. And I, I was just lucky enough to get an interview and, uh, and they brought it, they like flew us out to Mountain View, California, um, for like a big process where they're like, there are this many of you and like only how many are going to get a job. And I'm pretty competitive. And I was like, I'm going to get this job. So I, I, I think a lot of like, I was even doing music back then. And I was talking about like, uh, well, obviously like, you know, what was going on with music and how I approached it as a business and also as a personal thing. And I honestly think that like the music stuff is what got me the job. Um, which is really ironic cause it's also what made me leave the job. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think, you know, it was just something different that they were like, Oh wow. Like, you know, it's not that, you know, cause everyone nowadays, it's like, you can't, it's not good enough to be a good student. You have to also like have started a charity and like save puppies. So <laughs> yeah. like I, I, I was, I hadn't saved any puppies at that point, but what I had done was like kind of in my mind created my own record label and, you know, been releasing music independently and doing all this stuff. So I, I kind of talked about that aspect of it. And I think, in combination with everything else, that's kind of how I got the job at, at Google. If you hadn't uh, like broken into the music business and been successful, do you think that's where you would still be? Like the, your path would still be at least, uh, if not at Google, just the same sort of role? Oh man, all I know is that my stock 
that they give me would have been worth like so much money nowadays <laughs> if I had just stayed there, but I fucked up. Um, I don't know. I probably would be like a typical millennial and already have had like four other jobs by, by this point. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I, uh, you know, I think the most interesting opportunity in inside of Google once I was there and, and I'm, I'm lucky that while I was there and sort of transitioning to music, you know, I got to meet with like the YouTube team cause YouTube is owned by Google. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I'm sure I would have loved to be working like in YouTube at music or like, you know, some part of their thing where I would have been able to combine this passion, um, of mine alongside a more like technical, uh, application of it or, or even potentially just like working with artists, but from that corporate side of things, um, I'm sure there would have been a lot of interesting stuff, but it's hard to, it's hard to imagine that, that life now because I really didn't let it come to fruition. Yeah. Uh, how has your family reacted to all the success? Uh, I, I, like when I left, when I basically, I took a, like a leave of absence, honestly, Google was super nice. They said like, you can take six months and if it doesn't work out, you can come back and it it worked out. So I never came, I never came back obviously, (laughs) but, but, um, I kind of had made a deal with my parents, which was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to dedicate like my next year and then we'll re-examine like in 365 days. We'll see, we'll see what life looks like. And, um, within that year, like was, was the, like the breakout project for me. So, uh, you know, I think they went from being afraid for me and like a little bit on the fence to, uh, being very supportive, but, but still nervous. Cause you know, like, ner- like it's hard to make your parents not nervous for you. I I'm sure I'll, I'll feel the same way one day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, uh, is that, do you, are you looking to, uh, start a family someday? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I definitely can see myself in that role. Also, like I'm jealous of my friends who, who get to like bring their, their kids out on stage with big ass headphones and hold them up like Lion King and Simba and stuff like that. (laughs) So, um, hopefully I'll be able to reenact that one day. You know, that's, that's a really superficial reason to have a kid, but (laughs) And I probably won't fly with my girlfriend, but, um, yeah, <laughs> tour, a tour baby is, is definitely, um, <laughs> is definitely something I can see happening. Not in the near future though. <laughs> is it, is it hard to like, uh, like maintain a relationship with, with the touring and, and all the, the, uh, like the busyness of, of being a musician and all that? Um, it has been in the past in, in my in my current relationship, it is not an issue. Uh, my girlfriend also travels a lot for work and has kind of a really flexible schedule. So it's, you know, it's kind of the, it's kind of the best of, uh, both worlds. Like, you know, I think there's like an idea that like, um, like I, I, I guess I'd rather say I, I understand that it it's hard for someone with a more typical structured schedule to kind of keep, uh, keep up. If you have like a touring schedule, like mine, it's, it's, you know, they are two really different worlds. So it's very hard to compromise, you know, both ways. So yeah, I, I've kind of found out that like, you know, dating somebody in like a creative entertainment ish field can, uh, work to its benefit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I could see why it might be difficult otherwise. Um, You're like, I, like... I, I only date other podcasters. No one, no one else <laughs> understands the grind. They ain't out here trying to edit these yeah. vocals. 
Yeah. They don't know what it's what it's like to be cooped up in a in a room talking to people on the internet all day. Uh, they'll never understand. They'll never get it. They just they just, they're like, why are you always on your computer? Why are you always why are you always watching Survivor? Well, I have. <laughs> it's it's fucking prerequisite. <laughs> yes. Uh, like, could, <laughs> could could you date somebody who wasn't who who didn't share those interests? Honestly, uh, I I. Uh... It depends. Like uh, it depends on how how much they'd be willing to accept that they are a huge part of my life. You know, um, I I a lot of the people that I meet and I tell like when I tell them like yeah I'm a podcaster and they're like oh what do you podcast about and I'm like <clears throat> the Big Brother has some of this like some reality show. Um, it's the, there's a lot of face dropping that happens um, a lot of the time. Like in the recent years, I'd say like my preconceived notion of it was uh like the uk version and and it just being a show where you like kind of um voyeuristically watch like random people hook up Mm -hmm. with each other in the like bad behavior on tv but i had no idea like what the game was like i i had no like full understanding of what it actually was i just would see like oh like this clip of this person happened on big brother you know what i mean yeah just like just like the tabloid, the tabloid esque part of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like even just you know, uh, like reading the comments uh, for articles about Omarosa talking in the house, like people who don't know what Big Brother is, but they're hearing about it because of Omarosa, and they're like, "Who who even watches that trash anyway?" Like uh, it's, it's the the garbage of society. I'm no, like, oh, man. Yeah, no. It, it's it's kind of it, it's not really a secret because I guess we've got like at least five to ten million viewers. But like, it is still at at certain point. Like, I was very unaware of like the gameplay, and well, I just don't think people realize how how big and prevalent it is. I I didn't really understand that Survivor had an ongoing popularity that it did. To be completely honest, that because that's something that kind of bypassed me. Um, I mean, same thing, obviously, with with Big Brother for the longest time. And I think it's really I mean, it's obvious there. I mean, it, it there's just this built in audience that wants more. I knew that I was immediately like that because that's kind of like my personality. It's like I want I want more like, oh, there's there's a there's a show that like talks about critically because like i'm not going to have this critical analysis between myself and my girlfriend i'm forcing her i'm forcing her to watch this right now she doesn't care she doesn't know what a what this power veto competition means (laughs) she just she did the ball eventually i got her to understand but um you know so i always i i think it's great yeah it's it's been it's been awesome uh i i used to force it on my friends and uh i mean to be fair to them they they enjoyed it while it was being forced on them um but it is it is a, a weird sort of insular culture where uh once you accept that it's a thing and that it can be good it's like oh this is great like everyone loves this is a huge audience for it but like outside of that bubble like either people don't know it exists or they judge it very harshly because they have no idea what it what it is i I'm, i think i'm going through a little bit of withdrawal now because because and i and i i don't think it's going to be necessarily a good thing that the the first season that I got to experience live was this celebrity season. And I'm aware that like the schedule of like four nights a week or whatever is not how it is. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if the the real season is going to feel very slow to me now because this is the yeah. first thing I experienced. It's definitely possible. It gets, it, it can get pretty slow. 
um, uh, you know, full a full week of waiting for the obvious boot to leave can can get a little slow. But uh, but there's always fun stuff to talk about on the feeds, at least um, the uh, the the feed updates really kept me going through Big Brother 19. Yeah, I, I I've learned that that was a pretty terrible season. <laughs> you know, I, I people people are hard on seasons, um, and you'll probably see this. I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people that say, "Big Brother 20, this is the worst season of all time. Uh, this this is terrible." Um, but uh, but usually after the fact, you can find people that that enjoy. Like lots of people hated Big Brother 16. I loved Big Brother 16. 16 um, um, 16 was with Derek, right? Yep, yep. People uh people were mad because he dominated the game so easily um and made it boring for them. But I I lived for Derek and Cody, his uh his alliance mate, uh like talking through how they were going to manipulate people every single night over like the pool table. So, um you know, people get different things out of it. it it's really interesting because I think so like since one of the first things that I came, like I don't know if you've seen this on YouTube. I'm sure you have. It's like people put together a compilation that focuses on one player and their whole moments mm-hmm. from the beginning to the end. And it's a really interesting way to, to kind of view the season. And like when I was bored, like I think the first thing that I saw, I, I, I like made sure that I didn't know who won, who won. Right. So for 16, the one I saw was Zach. Um, and I just like watched Zach's journey throughout the whole house. And then obviously, you know, like he gets kicked out, but like, to mm-hmm. me, watching it that way, you don't know that Derek is is like a mastermind because you're you're rooting. You're just assuming that this guy is going to make it the whole way and that he's going to yeah. get in. He keeps getting himself out of sticky situations. You don't see as much of the people talking about how they're going to get rid of him. Uh, I mean, just a little bit. And it's it's it was kind of I, th- I think that I've, I've uh, discovered like a whole different viewing experience by accidentally doing that. Yeah, it's interesting. That's it's sort of like watching Big Brother as though it's Survivor, like this edited journey um, through the through the season. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think they had, I think they had one. Like they don't have it for everyone, I guess, because I guess some people don't uh, aren't as compelling. And he, I guess, he was a, a definitely a compelling player. If yeah, he, not an erratic one. Yeah, he was a he was a fan favorite at the time. Yeah, so I think they had one for like him and Frankie and Derek, and maybe that's it. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it was uh, they called him Zanky, uh, Frankie and Zach together. Yeah, yeah I remember that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a fun show, and um, the the thing one of the things I like about it is that there's always for as boring as it can be at sometimes. Uh, a lot of people complain. I I never really find it too boring, and there's always the potential for something just to go. Uh, completely crazy out of left field and um it's it, like there are so many moving pieces all the time and any one of them can fall and break and there can be tons of changes that happen and um it's uh it's just it's very fun i think there's uh i think there's like and and please correct me if if i'm wrong but there feels like there's like an impossible truth that like if you're if you're kind of like someone who's going to be like a competition beast, like, I don't know, a young, young, strong dude who like always has his shirt off. Right. <laughs> there's like not, there's not that much you can do to like hide that fact. And also like, you're naturally going to have like this, or at least they're banking on you having this like competitive spirit and like this natural ego that you're going to want to win that like the idea of like 
throwing competitions and then somehow like being able to pick it up. Like it, it, it I don't feel like it seems realistic. Like those people are always going to like, be like, ah, shit. Okay. I'm like, they won. And now like they're a target, you know? Yeah. The, the, the big muscly guys very rarely, uh, win the game. I think there's maybe like, uh, maybe, maybe two, you could say. Um, but really I think one, uh, like the bro, uh, guy that, that looks physically fit. That's like actually managed to win. And he was just like absurdly chill the entire game and didn't win competitions until toward the end. And, uh, was, uh, he was part of this, uh, very, um, dominant alliance too. So it's, what, what, it is, what, what, what season was that? That was season 12. And 12. Um, they, uh, they called themselves the brigade. And, uh, they, uh, they, they just, a lot of people were upset during that season too, because they thought the brigade made it boring because they dominated it so much. Um, but now it's sort of looked back on as a, as one of the better seasons, I think. Um, and, uh, it was just these, these dudes who just secretly got together and were like, let's, let's team up and, uh, pretend we're not teamed up and just make friends with other people and pretend we've got, you know, pairs instead of this big alliance. And, uh, it worked. That's um that's a pretty interesting strategy. Yeah, they, I, I, I don't think a lot of those things got to got to apply as much in the celebrity season. Yeah, because people were, I, I guess, really image conscious. I don't know. I don't know why why they thought that it would be like unflattering for them to necessarily uh, be more aggressive. Um, that it might like affect their real life, but. I felt like people were very, very nice, or at least you could see that by the voting at the end, that like voting for the most honest person who really wasn't honest anyway. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, especially for people that were fans of the show, like, like Ross knew about the, you know, like Big Brother 15, where people lost their jobs because they said offensive things on the feeds. Oh, yeah. um, like, I mean, that's another thing, though. <laughs> yeah, well, but like, like, uh, like, it's, I think, you know, you become as a Big Brother fan, very conscious of, like, how the audience can turn on you. And so yeah. these people who make a living off of their image, uh, like, were especially conscious of how they looked. And then throw in somebody like Omarosa, who is, uh, you know, not only a like reality TV show villain, but also seen as a villain in the eyes of many people who are very political. And uh, it makes you, I think, even more conscious of like, oh, no, I need to be the good guy to Omarosa's bad guy. And um, I think that's where a lot of that came from. Yeah, you're right. That makes sense. I think uh, there's probably a, a way different dynamic you feel when you're that much closer to the game. We We can all be pretty much be like armchair geniuses looking at it <laughs> yeah. and being like, you dummy. Do you hear what she's saying right now in the DR? And it's like, well, no, I guess they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about this on Twitter. Uh, do you really think you would want to go and play? Um, I, I, I honestly don't think that, that the producers are going to be, uh, thinking of me for season two. <laughs> I, I, I think that, you know, like I, like I, I mean that sincerely when I say, I don't actually think that I qualify for this, but I don't know, maybe people in season one didn't either technically, but it, it felt like a lot of people who were in season one and, and I was surprised by this. Like they've all done other reality shows. Like they all have a reality show pedigree. Basically. I didn't realize that it's like everyone's either done dancing with the stars or dancing with the stars. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think, I think the dancing with the stars casting person worked on, um, getting the cast for celebrity big brother. So, ah, that um, makes sense. 
yeah i think uh i think that's where a lot of the connection came from but uh you know it, i mean i can cons- i can cons- i'd consider it for sure i i would i would maybe like feel a little bit sad knowing that like i'd be walking in there and people would be like you're the guy that no one knows you're you're james <laughs> yeah. maslow and uh, like all respect to james maslow but you know uh basically someone who like is kind of under the radar to like the mainstream america even if they have their own career well, here's here's the benefit though. I think a lot of people are willing to forgive your level of fan uh your level of fame uh if you are a, if you're like a fan of the show, if you're like genuinely enthusiastic about coming on. Like like I think uh James Maslow's uh you know, the thing that was to his detriment was that he didn't really know the show going on. He talked about like, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of raise my profile with the show, just kind of get my name out there. Like that's not what fans of the show want to hear when you go into Big Brother. Yeah, uh I don't I don't I don't think you should be plugging your single and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Being like, I got a movie coming out next month. Check it out. Uh, I vote out Marissa, you know, but um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm open. I guess I'd be open-minded to anything. I, I don't, I don't really consider it because I'm a fan of the show and because I'm a competitive person and I'm, I like, would like to, like, if I did it, I, I would like to just, be like I have to be a legendary person. I have to come on and like literally play a legendary game, which maybe that would be a mistake. Um, but well, I we'll think say. if you if you go in with that goal, then at the very least you're going to make uh, a very entertaining impact, either because you succeeded or because you gloriously failed. So uh, there's no losing. I think I, I would like to get kicked out on day seven and have the cast tell me for the rest of the time it was because I was the best player ever and they had to get rid of me. <laughs> there was no choice. They could tell I'm the best ever. Get rid of me now or else you're done. <laughs> yeah uh well you know i i hope uh i hope you enjoy uh you know big brother 20 you uh you feel free to also check out big brother canada there's uh there's a canadian version that's starting soon i am aware of the canadian version i've been talking to um adam who you had on your podcast uh maybe two weeks ago oh yeah adam uh bon yeah he he's actually i've like I've, I've known him for a while since he was in a in a youtube uh well, he still does YouTube, but like he was in a YouTube group. Uh, we did like a collaboration video together around like the release of one of my albums. Um, so he's he's a uh, he's a really nice guy. So we were we we're we've been talking about like Big Brother. Well, like he's my person. I'll be like, did you do you believe this? Do you think this is gonna happen? <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I don't know if I'm gonna get into Canada. I, I don't know how my girlfriend will feel if she'll see me just like straight torrenting episodes every <laughs> single day. She might think I'm a little bit obsessed. But I do hear that the game is uh, has a better reputation than some of the U.S. seasons of late. Yeah, well, I think the casting tends to be better. The like the people are more entertaining. They're a bit hungrier, um, and the production overall just tends to be pretty pretty good. Um, but, uh, the, the downside is there's like a lot of twists that interfere with the game. Um, like, uh, like one of them already is that, uh, there's going to be two people that are going to be voted into the cast and join like a week late. Um, but one of them is, uh, is somebody who I've actually podcasted with before and, um, she finally made it onto the cast, uh, hopefully as long as she gets voted in. Um, and so that'll be, that'll be interesting to watch. That's, that's a a pretty cool twist. I, I would think that maybe... That would put them at a disadvantage being late. It's sort of like, prove yourself. Mm-hmm. You're on the block sort of thing. But who knows? I don't know. Big Bird is an interesting game. 
Yeah, especially for uh, this girl in particular, because it's like uh, the the two options are there's the devil guy and the angel guy, the devil girl and the angel girl. And uh, Kirsten is the devil girl. So she's going to vote it in a week late uh, and be like, yeah, I'm I'm the devil one. He's oh, the angel they, one. They have to keep that <laughs> reputation of like being like uh, I am, bad or... I imagine, like, I imagine that because like they're dressed in red and the other ones are dressed in whites, and uh, <laughs> like uh, I'm pretty sure the angel guy is going to get voted in. So like, it's not even a case where the the two devils can go in and pretend that they weren't devils. I don't know what how it's going to be presented, but uh, you know, there's lots of lots of crazy stuff uh, going on in Canada. Um, wow. But uh, very uh, very funny the con- the connection with Adam. <laughs> Do, do you think that the game is pretty reactive to, like, you know, past seasons? So, like, if they looked at the season and said, ah, this is where we messed up, do you feel like changes do happen or or, or the game's kind of stagnant in their ways? It, it Changes definitely happen. Um, in particular, last year in Big Brother Canada, they had returning players um, for half the cast and new players for the other half of the cast. And one of the returning players... Um, Kevin Martin, who is a, is a uh, poker player, um, a great great friend of the podcast. Uh, he studied the competitions that they, the, all of the competitions. He had his uh, like an assistant um, like put together this massive binder of all the competitions that had ever been played in Big Brother Canada, and the competitions in Big Brother Canada up until this point have been very predictable like they, yeah. lots of the same kinds of competitions um it's it's less random than in the u.s so a lot of them are quiz competitions instead of just kind of random like where does the ball go into the hole kind of competitions mm-hmm. um so he studied them he studied the kinds of answers they're looking for the kinds of questions they asked and then when he was in the house he like threw competitions for the first half and just studied like crazy and then just won every single like basically every single competition from the second from like the second half of the game and ended up winning like he broke the game essentially because nobody's supposed to be able to do that nobody's ever done it before um and so i imagine that this season they are going to uh change up the competition so that nobody's able to do that again yeah that that uh that's really interesting that that he kind of found a pattern and was like, well, if I just study it, I can probably have a, a real advantage. That's a very poker player thing of him to do, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I have a little bit of poker playing experience myself, and that seems like, yeah, he, he, he had to get a read on all of his opponents and then make sure he had a statistical edge in the game. So good for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, this has been a lot of fun, honey. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, man. This is This is really great to to put a, a Twitter name to a, a real, a real life conversation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, if you, uh, if you ever do go on big brother celebrity, uh, make sure you, uh, you ask me for advice. Unlike Kirsten who didn't ask me for advice. Oh, of course. I'll, I'll be getting all the advice. Uh, you gotta give me the, uh, the robot shirt so I can wear the merch <laughs> on show, you know, just like free plugging and, um, yes. and yeah, you know, uh, if anyone, if you guys are listening, uh, to the show, tweet me and say what up. Cause I'd be really interested to see who's out here listening to the Tyrant show. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, it's just hoodie Allen, H O O D I E A L L E N. Yes. Uh, I would, I would really enjoy you wearing a, uh, a robot shirt, an, an RHAP robot shirt and then singing. You are not a robot. Um, that's a good question, right? Because you're not allowed to sing on the shows. Can I sing my yes. own music? Because I'll clear it for them. That would be really tacky. 
<laughs> well, that was asked actually because uh, because James and uh, and Mark were in there. Uh, I'm pretty sure the answer is no because the um, on the live feeds there's like there's a person that has to sh- like turn the live feeds off when somebody starts singing, and so uh, I think I think what happens is like they can't that that person can't know what you're singing is the song that you've cleared. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. So they, like anytime you start singing anything, they're just like, no, wait, we don't know if this is cleared or not. Um, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. And I'm pretty sure that's why they didn't sing any of their own songs. But, uh, you know, you could always ask. I'm, I'm going to leave it on this note. If I, if I was in season one that just happened, I would have brought uh, Mark to the final two, not because of gameplay or strategy or anything just because uh a sugar ray album was like the first album i ever owned and <laughs> i just would have felt like that's 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 my guy and i have to show respect so you, yeah you owe him i would i would i would have brought you that's all i'm saying yes there's there's another really great uh korean reality show called the genius um that if you're if you're into this stuff you should definitely that's like the that's the premier top tier uh competition reality show oh, wow. and uh there are uh, there are two uh, big name uh, singers um, who are in the first season, and uh, one of them is like the mentor, and the other one is like the young buck, uh, and they're they're like two of the greatest reality TV characters of all time. I might have to check out the genius. Sorry, Big Brother. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you again, Hoodie. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can find it on iTunes, The Terran Show, uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on robhasawebsite.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Armstrong Terran. And uh, of course, uh, Hoodie Allen, as he mentioned, at Hoodie Allen. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's uh, we've got our Big Brother Canada coverage coming up. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoy it. We just started uh, recording the Ninja versus Ninja podcast because I also podcast about American Ninja Warrior. Um, and they just started this new uh, this new competition uh, season of the show. And uh, we recorded about that. That was a lot of fun. So um, check that all out. Thank you guys for listening. And I will see you next time. Terrence asking questions. Terrence finding Looking deeper That's what it's all about It's the Terrence Show So you